He called to her, Theorini's voice. Mommy! Myrtle released her grip, afraid of hurting him. The policeman gathered him up and turned away from her. Above Audrey's screams, she heard Bertie call again. Mommy! The other policeman bent over and took hold of Audrey. Myrtle felt the child being pulled from her grasp. No! She cried. No! No! Still holding Noel to her chest with one arm, she reached out in vain with the other, at the same time trying to rise to her feet. The stern-faced woman gripped her arm and pulled Noel away from her. Myrtle fell back onto the rug. The woman backed away with Noel in her arms. We're just doing our job, Mrs Bishop. Myrtle stood up and lunged at the woman. Leave my baby alone, she screamed. It's an order from the court. We have no choice. The woman turned and quickly followed the two policemen to the parked police car. Myrtle ran toward the vehicle, tears streaming down her face. The children had already been put inside before she reached it. The woman restrained Audrey and Noel in the back seat. One of the policemen nursed Bertie in the front passenger seat. The other policeman walked around the front of the car to the driver's side door. Myrtle ran to him, clutching his sleeve as he made to slide in behind the wheel. He prized her fingers open and released her grip on his shirt. Let go, love, he said. Your kids'll be looked after. Don't worry. We'll let you know where they are. Myrtle begged helplessly as the policeman took his seat behind the wheel. Please, please. I'm sorry, love. They'll be all right. I promise. The police car moved slowly away. Bertie pressed his tearful face up against the window. Myrtle ran alongside the car, clawing at the glass, calling out, My babies! My babies! When the car turned onto the open road and picked up speed, she fell back but ran and stumbled until the vehicle was far ahead. With faltering steps, she walked in the direction the car had taken, sobbing, calling the children's names. Several miles down the road, her footsteps slowed. Perspiration dripped from her face. With dragging feet, she wandered off the road into the bush, mindless of twigs and undergrowth. Finally, exhaustion overcame her and she fell to the ground. Her body convulsed by sobs. She lay in a crumpled heap under a tree. Chapter Two How could such a thing happen? I struggled to find an acceptable answer to that question for a long time after I found out what had happened to my mother. We children, seven in all, had grown up without the slightest idea that she had even been married before. We found out after her death when we came upon an old silver cash tin while my sister and I were going through her things. I recognised that cash tin. I remembered it from my childhood. My mother kept her secret papers in it. She used to keep it hidden on top of the shelf of her wardrobe, and I had once opened it. One day, at around nine or ten years of age, I sneaked into my parents' bedroom. My mother had gone out, and my father was working in the bush. I found the wardrobe key and opened the wardrobe. Crammed in the narrow space behind its dark doors were all kinds of clothes, including a couple of my mother's favourite dresses from her younger days, when she used to go dancing. Over the years I had ruined most of those rustling creations of silk shantung and organza, wearing them as dress-ups, but she had protected her favourites from my brutal assault. I found the silver cash tin under some lace cot covers on the top shelf 
where she stored the few items that had not succumbed to years of rigorous wear or bushfire smoke, white embroidered pillowcases, the Christmas tablecloth, and other pieces of linen from long ago. Leaving the cot covers folded back so that I would be sure to replace them as I had found them, I sat down on the bed, cradling the tin. My brothers were busy playing cowboys and Indians in the backyard. I could hear shouts of giddy-up as they pretended to ride their fine horses across the grassy plain, searching the horizon for signs of smoke from the Indian campfire. A delicious sense of triumph at embarking on an adventure more exciting than they had ever experienced swept through me. I was the hero in a real-life Secret Seven adventure. I hugged the tin close to my body. I sensed that it held a significant family secret. Could it be money from a robbery? Did my father rob a bank?